Every day during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending ten minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they'd recommend to anyone with a bit of time on their hands. Today I'm spending ten minutes or so with one of the most beloved and celebrated writers in the history of science fiction and fantasy, Lois McMaster Bujold, who joins me from somewhere in the Eastern Americas. Hello, Lois. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for inviting me to your room in Australia. It's a genuine pleasure. I've been reading and loving your work for since the beginning, and I'm just delighted we get to talk to you. So tell me, how are you? How are you dealing with the madness of the current time? Hi, it has had so little impact on the way I already live. Uh, it's almost absurd. You know, I already live by myself and you know, don't see people if I can avoid them. I'm going to the grocery store once a week instead of twice a week. Uh, my little socializing is like on hold for the moment, but, uh, but direct impact has been very limited on me. I've been really fortunate in that, you know, I already work at home. I already have things that, you know, run on the net or independently of, uh, of needing to be out and, you know, physically dealing with people. Now, if my teeth go, I've got to figure out how to see my dentist. Mm -hmm. Exciting. But hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. yeah there's all kinds of things that you, you can only do in person. And I really feel for all the people who are doing, you know, who are doing or were doing jobs that require, you know, immediate physical contact with people. All those, uh, everything from pedicurists to massage therapists to, you know, dental technicians to, you know, you name it, you know. So, so let me let me ask you: Are you able to 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 read, to write, to work, all that kind of thing, or has this had sort of any sort of impact on that for you? Ah, okay, that'll be a complicated story. Um, I have, in the first quarter of this year, been writing a Penrick novella, uh, which we talk about. We can do this in either order, and maybe I should lead into this first, and then talk about what I'm reading. Um, which is the eighth Penrick and Desdemona novella. And it was last year I had two choices. I could do the pirate story or the plague story. So I wrote the pirate story first, and I really should have done it the other <laughs> way around. I think pirates would be a lot more fun right now than plague. But I had wanted to give Penrick, uh, you know, a medical mystery to solve. Uh, yeah. And so I was going to start on that last fall, and then I had some medical issues of my own, and I didn't get started till January. And, you know, I had all the plot worked out and everything cooking along, and the story kept coming. Uh, and then the, the whole COVID crisis sort of rose up sure. around us all. And I thought, oh, dear. <laughs> it look like it's in response to this. Actually, based on, you know, many, many historical, you know, medical issues and contagious and doctors and what they did, you know, uh, everything from yellow fever to, of course, Black Death is the big one and, uh, malaria and all these other diseases, uh, uh, sleeping sickness. So every disease you can think of went into my thinking about this story, except COVID, which didn't exist yet when I started <laughs> it. I don't know. We'll see how it rings through. Anyway, the title is The Physicians of Vilnock, and it is out as a uh, ebook yep. on Kindle, Nook, and uh, iBooks. So. so actually, let me ask you, although it's perhaps tangential to why we're here this morning how did you fall into the world of Penrick and Desdemona because over the last say three years you've uh, put out eight of these I think it's the eighth story now so yeah, how, did you, how did you fall into the world of it okay well I had you know I had finished Gentleman Joel and the Red Queen for Bane 
which was the last most recent Verkoskin story. And I was turned 65 and I you know, moved to a new smaller place. And I was thinking, ah, oh, retirement. You know, what does this mean to me as a writer? Um, now that I don't have to, being an American, earn enough money to pay for health insurance. So now on Medicare. Um, so that took a lot of pressure off for you know, running in place. Um, and I, well, okay, what are what are the parts I like and what are the parts I don't like? You know, so it's sort of like a selective retirement. So I let the things go like book tours that I didn't want to do anymore and you know, publishing and contracts and deadlines and all the, as, as much of the business stuff as I could divest. And then it was just me and writing the way I started way back when, you know. Uh, and of course, ebooks have given you the channel uh, to get in contact with your readers without having to go through the whole publishing industry. It's just a very short, you know, short number of hoops you have to jump through to to get your work in front of readers. And I've been reading and watching online conversations about indie publishing and various people puffing it off and with great enthusiasm. And I thought, I will try this. Um, I will try a novella. And I started thinking about what I could do. And I'd also simultaneously wanted to write something with an interesting, powerful sorcerer, uh, probably in the world of Chalian, because that was underexplored in the, in the three books that I wrote around the turn of the millennium and after. Uh, and so it's sort of those two notions came together and I will write a novella about a sorcerer in the world of Chalian and see what mm -hmm. happens. <laughs> and it was fun. And so here you are three years later. Yeah. It's like, Several of them, and uh, they were picked up as audiobooks. They were picked up as uh, limited edition chapbooks by Subterranean Press, which is an American uh, small press that does lovely little things, pricey but lovely, uh, but not for a mass audience. And then um, we got uh, Bain wanted to collect them, uh, so we collected them, uh, yeah. so they, they were available on paper for all the people who are still reading on paper. Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, do you think so you're going I to? Really got no way from publishing. <laughs> well, I was going to say. I mean, it does sound as though what what was supposed to be a quiet kind of uh, experiment has turned into a busy, active kind of thing to be doing, which is not terrible. Uh, is it fun? Yep. Uh, it's it's been good. It's been good. It's been fun. Um, the character is protein and protein enough uh, not to be confused with protein. Um, hmm flexible enough to do all kinds of stories with mm. uh, what you want in a series character. Of course. So for, one kind of so for the moment, do you think that's what you're going to continue to do to explore the world of Penric and Desdemona? If I write one more, I'll have enough for a third collection. So that <laughs> sure. Of course. That's completely sensible. Well, but, uh, but yeah, no, I could do anything. Yeah. yeah. I keep trying to remind myself that I fall back into these old habits, like the old, fire horse that you know, responds yeah. to the bell every time. Uh, <laughs> all these ingrained habits. And I don't have to do that. I think it's like trying to retrain myself to be retired. I suppose I would be irresponsible in the, given the context, given where we've you know, ended up, not to ask you, is this the last we've heard of, of Miles and his world, or is that just sort of temporarily in the background? Uh, I don't know. I yeah. don't have anything planned at this time. You know, if uh, if Gentleman Joel was the last book in the series, that's good. We did have that little codicil novella. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, so nothing is impossible. Nothing is ruled out. Um, 
nothing is happening right now. Yeah. I, I guess it's a fully explored <laughs> world. We'll hold you to it. Where is this? No, thing no, no, you no, prom- no. I didn't promise you anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let, let me ask you then, what have you been reading uh, in these yes. strange times? And is it any good? Now, now we get to the actual subject of this. Uh, when I am writing, I go on a weird sort of input diet because yeah. it's like sand painting in a windstorm to be writing. And I only have limited things I can allow in without losing track of what it is I'm trying to think about and remember. Um, so, uh, so I read lighter things for the most part, which I pretty much read anyway. Uh, I've also made the unfortunate discovery of games on my tablet, uh, <laughs> solitaire and, and endless jigsaw puzzles. It's like, oh, there's a thought blocker. <clears throat> really have it taken back off the thing. And <laughs> doing that addiction. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the book that I'm actually reading right now is one called Paladin's Grace by T. Kingfisher, also known as Ursula Vernon. Um, if you want to start with Ursula Vernon, a very good one to start with is her uh, short story collection, Toad Words and Other Stories. Uh, but uh, Paladin's Grace is the third or fourth in a series she's starting to build in her, her own fantasy world that started with the Clock Tower Wars duology, which I read a couple years ago. And then she followed that up with one called Sword Heart, which was a pretty hilarious fantasy romance. Um, in which a, a beleaguered, I described it uh, as a, a beleaguered widow meets an enchanted sword after which nothing goes as either of them expected. <laughs> it was pretty good. And Paladin's Grace is very much in the mode of sword heart. I thought it was going to be the sequel to it. And yeah. um, it kind of is, since it's set in the same world, shares some side characters and follows uh, after it in time, but it isn't the direct sequel I was expecting. So when I first started to read it, I had this weird reading experience where I spent the first 10 chapters waiting for it to turn into some other book. (laughs) (laughs) When I figured out what was going on, I thought, okay, I have to start this over with my reading protocols reset. Mm -hmm. Take it on its own terms, and it's quite good on its own terms. I'm not finished. I'm about halfway through. Ah, so I blog on Goodreads, uh, which is a book-oriented, you know, blogging and whatnot site. Uh, a lot of people know about it. And it has a lovely feature where you can do little reviews of whatever you've read very easily. It's got a, got a program that helps you with it. You just type in the book name and all the information pops up and you can type whatever you thought about it, however ill-advised. Uh, so I've been, you know, making little notes on most of what I read on my Goodreads blog. You know, so people can find it there if they're if they're curious about like more. Uh, another book worth mentioning that I read within the last couple of months is something called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory, which is a memoir by a woman named Caitlin Doughty, who is who is a California mortician. Uh, and uh, Talks about you know, how she got into this trade and you know what it's really like behind the scenes. It's utterly fascinating. It's a little gruesome if you don't have, as I do, medical background. Other <laughs> <laughs> things that make me kind of inured to you know to the the, the gruesome bits. But, yeah. uh, but you know, I ate it right up. It was, it was really really interesting and thoughtful and uh, well worth well worth anyone's time. 
And the other thing I've been doing a lot of uh, in the last quarter is something called the Great Courses, um, which are video or online as often available as sets in libraries of, they're basically the equivalent of freshman survey courses for the most part. Uh, the great courses company gets you know, gets a teacher and gets them to you know, put together a course and there'll be 12 or 24 or 36 or 54 lectures or however many on his, his subject. And uh, I've been following these for some years uh, and they're, they're always a good, good time. And they force an eye break. I have some eye issues. So I get eye strain with reading for very long at a time. So it's something I can watch and still be getting the kind of information inflow that I would get from reading a nonfiction book. Yeah. So, I've, so I've got some sort of favorite uh, favorite professors that I've been following. I call it Professor in a Box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually a friend of mine did one of those. They did the science fiction one. Ah, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. I think I saw that go by. I've yeah. gotten into that yet. Oops. Yep. Drop, the, drop my notes here. Um, so yeah, some some of those worth mentioning. Um, the one that I just watched is one called "The Fall of the Pagans and the Origins of Medieval Christianity." It was taught by a uh, lecturer named Kenneth Harrell, who is also very good. I watched his uh, series on Byzantium, uh, and they've got the Barbar the Barbarian Empires of the Steppes is another mm -hmm. one that he's Excellent. in the queue. There's also uh, Professor Stephen Ressler, Rensler, Ressler, excuse me, R-E-S-S-L-E-R. -E uh, he's got one called Understanding Greek and Roman Technology, which is just catnip for a writer. Um, yeah. All this, this is this is how a crossbow works, and this is how a catapult works, and this is how the drains work, and this is how the concrete. <laughs> Interesting. And everything. You know. uh, there's one called Understanding the Quantum World, taught by. Erica W. Carlson mm -hmm. had <clears throat> the most lucid explanation of quantum stuff I've ever seen. At least while she was talking, I felt like I understood it. <laughs> <laughs> and she showed, and it was uh, very very recent, and it's a, lots of visual uh, you know, and animations and things that you know, gave you a picture and became yeah. a very visual processor. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is this is how. Standing quantum waves work. Look, right there. <laughs> I can get my head around this. So that was really good. Great. Um, and there was another one called Understanding Japan, a Cultural History by uh, Mark Rabina is the name of the professor. Mm -hmm. That was extremely useful. I've read a lot of stuff about Japan, but he had insights and things that I hadn't heard of. Okay. Put it up. Excellent. So these, these are great fun. And, uh, Wonderful. You've, can't read as long as you would like. This is an alternative. Sounds interesting. And let me ask you one one final thing. If people are shut in at the moment, and some some of us are, some of us aren't, are there things that you would recommend people uh, you know read? You know, whether, if they would, you know, should they turn to comfort reading at a time like this, to more challenging reads, or just go where their interest takes them? Do you think? I am much in favor of people doing what they want. Mm. You know, so if you need comfort reads right now, go for comfort reads. You know, those are good. I read a lot of them. Uh, if you want something more challenging, go for that. I need a certain energy level to you know, even make it up to great course level. So it depends on your own mental energy. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to 
punish yourself. <laughs> you know? It's pleasurable on some level. Yeah. You know? But people's tastes vary so much in what they find pleasurable and enjoyable that you know, you really can't tell them. You, know, you can tell them what you like, but you can't yeah. tell them what they like. Very much. So, so I'm not too helpful on that one. That's you okay. Know, do as you will. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> let me just say thank you so much for making time to talk to me today. I genuinely appreciate it. It's been wonderful. And thank you for all of the stories. You're most welcome. Thank 